You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You know, uh, new cards always get me pretty amped up, and I actually, you know, I'm thinking back to even like Tessel sets and I'm struggling to come up with a set that I've been as excited for as this one. Like I I'm dead serious. This has been a, just a really cool balanced, not balanced. I don't know if it's balanced yet, but like, like well-balanced in terms of themes and different mechanics. Like there's a wide range and diverse is the word I should say of types of, of cards and mechanics and everything. And I'm just so amped up for it. This new region really, really feels unique. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I have been so excited, you know, throughout the Targon expansion release cycle, I would find myself being like, oh yeah, I guess it drops tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and for this cycle, I've been like, holy crap, three days. Okay. Two days. Yeah. I've been one like day. Counting like, down. I've been like counting yeah. down. Is it the level three ascended champs? Do you think that's part of it? Because like the, there's the, the uh, level three ascended stuff is super cool. I, and I feel like there's just so much flavor in this set as well. Like all of the new landmarks, the flavor of several of the, like, it doesn't yeah. really feel like there was a single champion that was a miss with the exception of maybe our Noxus champ, which we can talk about at some point, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if the, the level three thing actually is not one of the things I'm super excited for, just because you have to do a lot to, to get it to work. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it'll be super efficient. Somebody will find a way to make it efficient. It just seemed like that surface level. But um, I mean, all of the champs, like uh, even at the basic levels, like Renekton, Azir, and Nasus all seem appealing, even just their level two forms, um, like like characters I want to play. Uh, you know, Talia, I guess, I guess if I had to like, say one that i wasn't like super thrilled by might be like of the of the um shireen ones it'd be like severe yeah uh, it just uh, yeah, seems a, maybe just a little just a little bland but a good card i think but just a little bland that's all but um yeah no it's so interesting i i do kind of want to uh think back to like two weeks ago uh when we um kind of talked about the uh release we were kind of disappointed with the release uh schedule cycle. yeah we were kind schedule. of hoping like maybe they would they would but, dump them all maybe you know but. yeah but you know he, i think what we were feeling in that situation was the uh wait when is this all going to start coming out like just maybe an uncertainty about like schedule i think if they had announced hey this is when maybe they did and we just missed it. i don't know but the bottom line is i do kind of want to kind of want to run that back because this felt like a great release preview cycle i was checking in every day really excited to see you know the cards and and once it started i was just loving it and just really enjoying checking in and, and seeing the new stuff and and there was the new stuff was worth seeing so um i don't know i don't want to it's not really that i want to apologize i just want to looking back i'm i'm kind of thinking you know what maybe i was a little too hasty uh in judgment maybe i was just impatient to see all these cool new shirima cards 
Yeah, um, so it was it was like 14 days ago that we had not seen a single card from the upcoming set. It was it was 2 mm-hmm. weeks ago when we recorded. And in that episode we were like is it even going to come out on time? Like we knew it was supposed to come out March 3rd. Like that had been declared, but it was like when are they going to start showing us stuff? How many champions are we actually getting? Like they typically take 3 days to release a champion, but it was like champion like back to back to back to back this past week. Yeah. Like I mean there it's was kind of fun though. I liked that, you know. I did too. <laughs> like it was like every day I found myself so you know basically like Jeff uh, from our Discord our Discord admin which mad props and thanks to Jeff because he does an insane job. Like he's he's just incredible. His mm-hmm. com- his commitment level to our community community is often higher than mine or dbn's uh, on, on any given day so yeah. uh so like so every single day during release season at noon i could know that jeff would have posted whatever the new cards were on like a really cool graphic that was made by someone else but regardless like he went he found it really he fast. posted like yeah by 1201 like whatever came out was there like within a minute yeah. and i like reliably between 12 o'clock and 1205 like literally in that time slot Every day during release, I would go and and view. That was not the case with the last release. Like I, some days it would go like a whole day. I'm like, oh, they revealed a card. Oh, this card is nifty. Or eh, this isn't exciting to me at all. Um, but this set, like, it was like every day. Like I wanted to know within five minutes what are the cards coming and even like this last weekend we were on vacation uh we went away with my family to a cabin and it was fantastic like it was great on a side note my brother and i he has a newborn baby and we were like oh man this year we're not going to be able to play many board games together so i didn't bring what we usually play i brought up uh, a lord of the rings game and we ended up playing 14 sessions of it over the course of four days what uh what was it the card game uh no journeys in middle earth it's the uh it's the miniatures game uh that's kind of like uh, it's fantasy flights miniatures game it was amazing but even doing that like playing vr with my family playing board games with my family hanging out with my kids and my nieces and nephews uh nephew uh i found myself every day i i intentionally i come in i take my phone i put it away i don't i don't boot it up for like four days Every day I came and booted up my phone just to see what the new cards were. Because uh, yeah. I was, and I was actually so amped that I wanted to play the game. I had taken my iPad with me because that's how you play this Lord of the Rings game is you use the iPad. And I actually finished all of the Lab of Legends uh, runs and got all of my icons from the current Lab of Legends release uh, while I was gone this weekend as well. And then I ended up hitting gold just like two days, like a day or so before the, the rank reset. So actually like last night, I, uh, I got on and I grinded out gold. I was sitting at like silver two and I just played Mistwraith's aggro and uh, took the mono Shadow Isles deck that I've been running for like three or four seasons now um, yeah. and just, pop, just <laughs> popped into gold four because I knew I got that extra prismatic chest uh, if I popped into gold four. So I, I made sure that I did that this week as well. So played a lot of LOR this week and then streamed for four hours today. Um, at release so that was a lot i've never had the chance to to do that either that was a, that was a lot of fun now now what did you uh end up playing 
Yeah. Okay. Do, uh, I want to ask you a question first, and then sure. and then and then I'll answer that. Uh, what was your what was your like card? Now that we had seen them all, right? We talked last week, and I don't think that we had had out um, uh, Siver, Kindred, uh, LeBlanc, or Azir. Like we had not seen those four champions. So after all of that was out, what was the champion that today you were most hyped about? Like most excited to play with? Oh, uh, Severe. Or not severe, sorry, Talia. Talia. Okay. Severe. Talia. You just said you sorry. weren't excited. Yeah, yeah, I for just severe. said I didn't like severe. No, no. Uh, I just mixed them up. Uh, Talia is still the one that I was amped up about. That said, Azir also really interests me. I just haven't done it yet. I didn't get a chance to play many games. I played like four games. Okay. Well, now, sure. I mean, the you, four games you I played were today, really fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I ended up getting stuck at work a little bit longer than i wanted to anyways i was like oh boy i'm gonna get in here and you know but um but no so uh i i got amped up really big time on uh <laughs> on talia and uh sure enough she is super super fun but i will say the next thing that i'm i'm like i can honestly say like like azir not from the ascended level but for the ephemeral synergies was a huge like a hugely interesting and exciting thing for yes. i feel like for me to see on the previous yes. especially right at the end so that was that was really cool <laughs> yeah his ears really interesting because he's like he's strong because he's a one five on three right <laughs> like and 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 then he does stuff when he drops on the board and he's easy to level up it's like you get focused on like the oh this could change the game because you get this emperor's deck it's going to replace your deck how cool is that and as it turns out you just pair him with hecarim and throw a crap ton of sand soldiers in your deck and trash your yeah. opponent with them um and uh and that was that happened to me today um, so to answer your question, what did I play? Well, I, I played a variety of stuff. So I crafted three of all of the champions except for Severe, Jarvan, and LeBlanc. I did not craft them yet. I will get them in time. Um, but I got down to three champion wildcards. A, a, a world that I never thought would exist would be my resources are whittled down. But they've done it. They're releasing enough stuff that my resources are, are getting whittled down. I, I didn't really, <laughs> That's a good thing. It is. I didn't really have to tap into uh, shards yet, and I I do have 150,000 of those. So like we're, we're still, we're still good, but I just, uh, I, I was like, Oh man, I, I like ran out of rare wild cards again. Um, so I started <laughs> off, uh, I started off playing Lissandra Trundle with Ionia and it's, terrible it's awful well oh, at boy. least the version that i played was terrible so we lost a bunch of games with that and we're like okay well, we're not going to do that anymore so we switched over and we did kindred nasus um kind of like a control slay deck oh, kindred nasus control slay where you're basically using kindred to sort of like control the board and then you're dropping and i i did drop like a six man of 15 15 level one nasus uh at one point which was oh crazy uh because you play a lot of like this the sacrifice cards in this deck and i played yeah. uh i played the undying in this deck as well which was really interesting um there's a couple of new shadow isles cards there's a four one that when you play it you sack a creature and draw to that's like crazy um it's it's really strong um there are you know of course your typical like sack cards that are that are going to be really yeah. good and then i i ran kindred with uh with the weaken card that gives a creature minus two a attack and um 
also gives him um, vulnerable, which is crazy strong. Like that card's really good. So we played that for a while with some success. We tried Talia Azir mono um, with going ascended, thinking maybe we could like get the Emperor's deck and use Talia to control the game. That wasn't great. Um, and uh, and we ran against a lot of aggro. So like uh, LeBlanc, Katarina, um, Jarvan Garen is really strong. Jarvan Garen is very strong. Yeah, um, I saw a, a oh, video of that. Even just like unrefined, like when Silverfuse was testing. Yeah, like uh, on her channel, and and holy crap, yeah, no, it's. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> really yeah. hard to deal with it's um it's just like it, it's just constant pressure and then when you get the turn five garen turn six jarvin from hand with barrier and challenging your strongest creature it's like oh uh, now then um we got someone in chat who was like i really want to see you play grindy control like really some really grindy control so we went lasanda trundle um, we went back to it, but we went Shadow Isles instead, and we played mm -hmm. a lot of sort of the life gain and control, and that went really, really good. That deck is very strong, and uh, Lissandra with the Watcher is kind of a win condition in itself with Trundle in the deck, um, and Lissandra is a really strong card leveled up, very strong card leveled up, mm -hmm. um, and not hard to level up with Trundle in the deck, and what's really interesting is probably the mvp of that deck right you play a little bit of ramp the mvp was it that stares because it that stares is an eight mana eight eight so it's going to level up your lissandra when of course when played also with a pillar right on the same turn as a pillar and then it mm -hmm. reads deal two damage to everything on the board or destroy all landmarks all <laughs> landmarks obliterate all landmarks and yeah. uh and so it played really well against several of the decks um and love that ended up hitting mastery one with lissandra and trundle played that deck a bunch and then i think we closed out uh we closed out playing talia with something else oh talia with um and it went really well, Talia with Aphelios. Um, although it's it's mostly Sharima. Um, it runs the Veiled Temple. And I really wanted to try the Rite of Negation, which is like the deny everything that is in uh that's currently in Sharima, which is worthy of conversation, Ooh. by the way. Um, yeah, we should talk about that at some point. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I that, that's a long Ionia. way. <laughs> sure, sure. That's a long way of saying what I played. We'll get into some of the details of that in our main segment eventually. But um yeah. Yeah, that's what I experimented with so far. Crafted Renekton, haven't actually played him yet, um, but I would like to because he seems he seems really cool. And I've seen some like Azir Renekton, uh, you know, mono region decks that are seeing play a good bit. That that has seemed like pretty popular. Mm -hmm. I'll say yeah, this: a lot no of more targetation out there. I've not seen any Targon today. Everyone's so sick and tired of everyone <laughs> playing Targon. That was pretty cool to not see much Targon. Yeah, I almost slapped a couple Targon cards in my uh, Talia list, and then I said, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. So I didn't. Like, well, <laughs> I the, just made like, it mono. The entire region is shunned. Like, the entire, the entire... It's not just like, oh, no one wants to play Aphelios because he was so meta for, for the last month. It's the, the entire region, right? No one wants to play it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, although, although I did run into... Uh, the stupid burble fish uh deck um 
I did run into that, which you know. is uh, TF Affilios. I, I, I guess I did run into that one time, but we beat it, so it didn't feel too bad. Yeah, I did. I What was cool is I was playing Talia, and I absolutely crushed it. Like, oh, that does I mean, feel good. Just, and, you know, they were hitting their stuff, too, but I just, like, if you, if you hit with this Talia list, you can put some incredible pressure in around, like, turn five and six, just, like, so many bodies like beefcake bodies that a deck that wants to cycle and draw just has to defend and you know dedicate resources or else they'll die and uh also like if we're talking just like just general sharima stuff i feel like we might have like slightly over i mean we even said it was good but i think we slightly overlooked ruthless predator uh, uh like which we didn't hype that? it enough that's the plus two attack give an enemy vulnerable oh that card's very good it oh. is straight just I mean, it is, it is incredible. I, it's I, so good. I played it in my Kindred list because you could give Kindred plus two attack, give something vulnerable, and Kindred has quick attack. Um, and so quick attack, if you combine quick attack with giving something vulnerable and increasing the attack of one of your creatures, it is so potent. Like that little two mana burst is a very, very good card. As it turns out, giving things vulnerable or giving yourself challenger, still really strong as it turns out. It's still really good. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot that you want to challenge right now. Like there's a lot that, you know, champions that are sitting on the bench, you know, Azir seems to want to sit on the bench a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, you've still got Twisted Fate, who's still just a beast. You know, he's going to sit on the bench unless you you challenge him uh, or or kill him. And, you know, uh, Shirima has really bad, like direct, like, like damage-based removal. They yeah, don't like have no direct hardly removal, any damage-based really. removal. So, so you have to, but they have a lot of ways to get things vulnerable uh, and or get like challenger. So um, there's some really neat, neat stuff in here that I just have been very impressed with. Um, and it's it just feels like it's got a different approach to uh, how it wants to deal with the opponent. And frankly, it seems to be one of the most board centric factions we've seen so far. Have you felt that way? It's really interesting. It's really interesting because it it has like these two different decks that have emerged right away and they're both board centric, which is one is like, okay, we, we want to get a lot of like, it's normal board centric stuff, right? Getting stuff on board, whether that's Azir playing sand soldiers and getting those off or that's like the Nasus kindred deck that's going around that is board centric removal, which is really interesting. Or that's Talia and Talia is board centric in an entirely different way because board centric around the landmarks which are taking up spots on your board which is a really interesting and uh, sort of complex mechanic to navigate well because you don't want to overwhelm your board with landmarks to the point where you cannot defend yourself right like if your opponent goes wide to be honest with you, Tarkin doesn't have a lot of, or Tarkin, I'm sorry, uh, Sharima doesn't have a lot of uh, good options against a really wide board. Like, there's just, you don't have sweeps or removals, um, it, but it's it's really interesting. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that there is a lot of board-centric strategy here. Um, I do think that there is probably, like, there's a very good couple of control lists that are already floating around that are involving, uh, that are involving Lissandra, and so it's no surprise, like, I think that's gonna be uh, a yeah, not-so-board-centric so, list that's gonna be around. 
So I, I do want to say, like, I kind of uh, doubted pretty heavily Lissandra. Haven't run into it yet. I'm still not 100% convinced, but I was definitely won over a little bit by the fact that you that the Frozen Thrall card was main deckable. Mm, um, okay, yep. Um, I, I do think from a... You you may not need it, but from a landmark perspective, it, you know it does provide a way to at least get like the Draclorn Inquisitors working if you really want to play it like that, where you have more of a board production side yeah, of things. Uh-huh. Now, I'm interested. Did you just kind of play like stupid hard control? And yeah. then like I yeah. so I played three blighted ravines, which is the new landmark that heals your nexus for then at countdown one deals two to yeah, everything. The, the avalanche. Yeah. Then I, I also think I played like my deck. I, I can look at it really quick and just tell you what is in it. But yeah, it's pretty heavy control, right? So you're running your right. Avaros and Sentries, some troll chants. You're running two unspeakable whores and three vile feasts, three avalanche, and- three blighted ravines, two grasp the undyings, three withering whales. Then you're running Ladros, it that stares, and two ruinations at the top. Okay. So like it's okay, so, really so like yeah. So so you're leveling Lysandra more off of big units at the end of the game than you are off of like uh like trying to get the frozen thralls leveled or anything like that. Or oh, the countdown's yeah. done. I think I've won every game without frozen thrall. So so really what I've done is like so you get how lo- have you have you won with the watcher? Yeah, oh yes. I've won a couple games with Watcher actually. So kinda of, kinda of what you do is like you're you don't even play Lissandra in the beginning often. Like if you have her, right. you, you want to, you play her if you have a second copy. But really what you're doing is you're controlling the board until you can trundle, and then you're using trundle to sort of control the board mm-hmm. until you can mm-hmm. get like it that stares or commander Ladros down with your pillar like you're playing your pillar then you're getting yeah, yeah. that down then you're playing your leveled lissandra and once leveled lissandra is on the board she because she gives your nexus tough and you have withering whales grasp the undying blighted ravines vile feast unspeakable horrors all of these life gain to take to, to sort of help you out um you know you can ruination you're really usually winning with a combination of commander ladros or Trundle or the Watcher is kind of like the three win right. conditions that you have. But oftentimes your opponent just surrenders because you just grind them out of the game. They just don't have enough resources to get through all the wipes. Right. And that's what I was kind of thinking initially. Because uh, when we talked about last week, we were really approaching it from the Watcher OTK combo. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely something that I was like kind of hesitant about. Now, I think if you, it's still probably doable with the one mana because at the time i didn't know that frozen thralls was main deckable i thought you could only get it through lissandra sure uh-huh. uh, or the draclorn inquisitor but if you could run them it's probably easier to get lissandra leveled on time consistently enough for you to otk like on turn 10 um but uh i do wonder you know what what your opinion now having played it with this trundle lissandra kind of like hard control how important was Lissandra to that compared to like if you'd run uh Feel the Rush or if you'd run like um I don't know like a ruination package and just left Lissandra out? Like how effective was was Lissandra actually? 
So that's a really interesting question. So Lysandra is very effective because A, she gives your Nexus tough. B, she creates this one mana board wipe and she's not actually all that easy to deal with because she's at level, she's a three, four with tough herself, which isn't super easy to handle. And she does put a ticking time bomb on your board that your opponent suddenly is like, well, I don't have to deal with that now. But in the eight rounds, I'm going to have to because it's going to give an eight eight with overwhelm, right? So right. I don't I don't know for sure. Um, I think that she's just strong, like she's she's just a strong champion in general. And the interesting thing I think there is like, I I I think one of the interesting things is is just like there's another win condition that you are already that you really don't have to build around, right? That like. You want to run Ladros in this deck already. You want to run Trundle in this deck already. And so because of that, she gives you the option of getting the Watcher on the board for zero mana more often than you would think. And that's a win condition that your opponent has to be prepared for, right? Yeah, they, they have to respect it. They have to hold the Ruination or the Vengeance or whatever in their hand. And the reality is... There's a lot of decks that just cannot stop something with 17 health. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it doesn't matter, and you can't stop it from attacking. Like, without a, a vengeance ready to go, and just like, okay, I can never go below seven mana because at any time, this guy could play his fourth eight cost creature and then play this thing for free. So if I ever drop yeah. below seven mana and I can't vengeance this thing i automatically lose the game and it puts your opponent in this really sticky situation once the watchers in your hand and you're at three out of four eight cost cards played that says mm -hmm. i really can't even use most of my mana pretty much every single round because if if i use it on my attack token and they play it at the end of my turn then they just open attack and obliterate my deck and pass turn until i lose if i do it on their token like they're just gonna hold off and wait to attack until I drop below seven mana and I can't vengeance. And I there's just not a ton of really good ways. Like if you could knock it back to hand, who cares? You can play it again for zero mana. So that doesn't do anything. It's like you have to have exact hard removal. And really the only things that do that are vengeance and ruination. There's really nothing in the in the game that can remove that thing except those two cards. Like PNZ isn't exactly gonna ping this thing to deck to death. Ionia is not gonna be able to deal with it. There is one card in Sharima now. Noxus, it's not gonna be able to strike, or or Demacia is never gonna be able to strike 17 health away before you can attack with it. Right. My my thing with this is just it'll be interesting to see over time if this is the most efficient way to play Freljord considering your it's another style of let me grind them out of the game mm -hmm. for instance it, like karina is probably faster right like a like a karina control you ladros then you karina win the game right or maybe even on par right in terms of like the slowest Speed, yeah. greediest kind of grindiest control right um you know but but those got outside of like one meta where karina came back because of all of the uh, decks that didn't want to play anything on board, um, <laughs> uh, or especially the ones that didn't want to play any big things on board. Um, outside of that, we found that Frailyard Control tended to be a little bit lower to the ground and wanting to win through a you know, ramp and then burst units out, like burst big units. And 
this deck will do nothing against that, it feels like. I mean, you, you might be able to ruinate or something like that potentially if you have the mana at the right time and, and if they don't if they don't correctly play around those cards. But um, like Feel the Rush just still screams to me to be maybe more efficient. But I don't know. I'm really interested because it sounds like this is a it sounds like the build that you ended up working with became a uniquely different style all about like AOE damage and, yep. and and stuff like that, which is just something that we don't have in LOR right now. Uh, you know, Blighted Ravines especially interests me because I think it's a really, really cool card. Um, so I, I, I'd i be excited to see the list. I think you should probably link it in the uh, in the chat. In the show yeah. notes. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I'll, I'll it, the it, sounds like, it sounds like just a fascinating way to play Freljord. Um, I'm just interested to see if down the road that's going to really take hold as a popular strategy. Yeah, it, it's going to be meta dependent, right? In a meta that's a lot slower, yep, feel the rush in in, in stuff like that is just going to be strong because you're going to be able to rush to that a little bit faster. In a game plan where you're getting a lot of two health, one health, two health minions that are trying to blitz you down, a deck with, I mean, four, four three Blade of Levines, three Avalanche, and, and two It That Stares gives me literally eight things that deal two damage to the opponent's board. And then you have three withering whales as well that can just, I just found that I had so many ways to like, you fill the board, I clear your board, you fill the board and you're like, okay, yeah, you can open attack for a minimal amount of damage, <laughs> but you know that you're not pressuring me enough then. So, uh, you know, and, and there was some truth in the fact that I think last week I, I talked on stream about the, uh, the difference between avalanche and blighted ravine. And I was like, well, they're kind of the same thing or whatever. And, and people sort of gave some feedback and said, well, no, no, not really like avalanche uh, punishes one thing and blighted ravine punishes another and there was definitely some truth to that like um avalanche punishes sort of like the greedy play where your opponent keeps putting things on board blighted ravine um punishes the open attack into development um and they they sort of punish differently and when you have one of each in your hand you have a lot of options for telling your opponent basically you don't you don't really have a great play here um like mm -hmm. i i you don't really have a good way to play around what i'm going to do because if i have one of each in hand i, I pretty much have a way to clean your clean up your early game board um whether you are uh, pushing damage and open attacking or trying to develop wide um and i've really yeah. really liked that about this deck it was a ton of fun to play i'll definitely throw it in the show notes um for the show description for this for this episode and if you want to check it out check it out and, and let me know uh, dbn last question before we move on mm -hmm. did you check out the event pass i did i i bought it oh my god i didn't buy it's, the last one it's nice isn't it though i I think that they made a really good compromise in terms of like what they included on the event pass um, and, you know, making sure that the event pass felt worthwhile while also making sure that, you know, they from their side of things are, are still marketing stuff. So like the board isn't on it, you know, yeah. to me, that's fine because I look at that and I say, you know what, They're, they want to make their money. It's yeah. cool. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna put the board separate, you know, and that's kind of something that that's the biggest thing that appeals to me, you know, from a cosmetic standpoint to the board. But I gotta say, I love their choice to add prismatics. That is such really a cool. great choice. Yep. So smart. Oh my I mean, in the fact that at the end you get prismatic Azir. Yeah. Like at the oh, yeah. end, you get prismatic Azir, you get 
you get like several sets of epics um you know and and they they chose really good pets like they did not return back to the guardians that they've typically used right ascended cosmo um you there he cosmo is not one of the you know first pets to come out you have a uh, sunbeam bailey uh sunbeam oh, bailey royal powder monkey yeah it's not one of the first ones to come out the royal powder monkey is amazing like it's so good. so cool and they it's put... so good that jeff tagged me uh when it got previewed oh my gosh he knew <laughs> really it's a really cool powder monkey and i only have rebel powder monkey so i'm really excited to get that one the card backs like i when they previewed the card backs i was like oh okay talia renekton nasus azir i thought all of those were going to be purchasable card backs from the store and i was like oh there's some really cool ones i'm actually going to buy some and then i got in today and it's like every single cosmetic there was no new cosmetics in the store there was just the event pass and they put the card backs are so good like they're so good they're i mean next I, I'm... level they're so much better than the yeah. ones in previous event passes and the previous event passes were very good yeah no they're really really good i'm i'm very impressed again with the card backs like i'm i'm that's that has become one of my preferred um, uh, cosmetics. You know, I, I I pick like I have got a guardian or two that I really like. Mm -hmm. I'll probably never buy another guardian. Now, if they show up in the event pass, I'll get them and it'll be cool. But I'll probably never buy another guardian because between Cosmo and the and the Powder Monkey, I'm happy. Those two I really like, so I got them, and I don't need another one. Um, and uh, so really that just kind of leaves uh, the boards and the card backs because dang, like I just, the artwork is just so good. And you know, the, um, the basic ones weren't bad, <clears throat> you know, like the faction ones, they weren't bad, but there's something about the colors being in these newer ones that they're, they're doing. I think if they're doing a better job with the colors, they're not as dull, they're brighter, they're more flamboyant. The, uh, the designs are more stylized and and they pop more i don't know it's just they've done such a good job with uh with these that i'm i'm excited to see what the next card backs would be how weird is it to say that you're excited about a cosmetic well uh, but the that's weird dude, to me the renekton card back is fire bro it is yeah. so no, it's, it's, good the butcher of the sands one the, the one butcher of at. the sands it is absolutely yeah. fire like i don't, like i don't know i love it um i i really really like it i i want to see i like i want to i want so many like i want all of them and i was like i was literally like i'm gonna have to buy a couple of these things from the store and then i get in and there i actually was like i kind of wish you would have put it in the store like i i know that's kind of wild but i'm like i kind of so not i don't wish that you would have put these in the store i love that these are in the event pass don't i, I said that wrong what i'm saying is i was like i kind of was ready to buy more stuff on the oh, on the release and i actually would have liked right. like all of the stuff in event pass is great but i almost wanted like an additional thing in the store that i that i could have picked up on release i was just surprised that it wasn't there there's so much hype around this expansion it was like it felt like kind of a missed opportunity to not have like a sand soldier guardian in the store right now um oh that could have been cool i mean they have this um was it finn the the guardian with the big ears that looks like um momo from 
uh, avatar. Sure, but you get him on the event pass. That's the first. No, thing No, I you know. Get. I'm saying. I'm saying they do have one. They do. They like do they, have one. Yes. A new guardian. You're saying you wish they had more. I, I just thought that they would. I was just surprised. Like, I genuinely ah, I, I genuinely came in. I bought the event pass. I went to the store, and I was like, show me what else I can buy. And it was like, oh. nothing else new. <laughs> like, I guess I get to save my coins, but I was ready to give them more of my money. Like, legit. It was like, Well, hey, I think from money. one side of things, like, they also had the, um, like, you could spend your money on, um, <clears throat> Oh shoot! What is it? Uh, like starter decks and stuff like that. That's true. So, okay, that's fair. Um, like that. That's um, I don't like even think about way. that. Like I don't even think about that. Well, it's not nece- It's not really relevant to us. But I mean, if somebody, even as late as the people that joined Justin Bilgewater, they they still probably don't have any everything and won't be able to get everything in this set. So, you know, it's uh, it's still I think worthwhile. I well, and that was something that I mean we kind of briefly touched on you know when um i kind of told everybody that uh, legend of the five rings was discontinued but yeah. one of the major criticisms from me and from a lot of other people but really i only care about me was that they uh they did a terrible job with onboarding because it was impossible to catch up that's the same argument that hearthstone has the difference is they had rotations right but like they never did starter decks in either of those games, mm-hmm. right? And they remember when in Tesla they started adding starter decks, and all of a sudden you got this massive influx of new players. Yeah, because you could actually get into the game. You could actually get into the game. So I'm glad that they're doing that. I wish they were priced a little bit cheaper. I, I've looked at them. That's like it's like two thousand coins or so, uh, and they prorate it based on what you have. I feel like that might be a little steep for. Um, you know, for new players, but I mean, the game is already so generous that it's like they'll catch up, you know, but yeah, I, you're, I you're looking at like just a, a little, just a little pricey to buy a starter deck. You're looking at like 20 bucks, right? Like 20, 20 bucks. Yeah. And it would be nice I mean, if what it, it is was like, to buy like a starter deck of magic, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's been so many. It's same. been so long. Last time I bought a starter deck of magic, I was in middle school and it was 10 bucks back then. So I'm sure it's more pricey now than, than what it was. Uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing like a starter deck being fifteen bucks, like a uh, fifteen dollar starter deck or a ten dollar starter deck. I think would be cool. Or if it's like okay, the, the, it would be cool if there was like a, per, a a couple of them that are sort of like there all the time, right? That are ten bucks. That if you want to get into the game, like here is a starter deck with two copies of one champion, right? Like this is going to give you um, some Demacia cards with two copies of Garen, or this is going to give you uh, Bilgewaters with two copies of Gankbike, and it was 10 bucks, and then they kept like, uh, they did these like limited time $20 starter decks that had four champs in them from two factions, right? And, ooh, okay, like I'm, I'm getting into it. I, I really, I could pick up this, you know, Renekton and, and Jarvan deck. I think there there's some something to be said about having more options in the starter deck thing, but I'm glad that they keep coming out. By the way, I think between the two, you definitely want the Jarvan Renekton starter deck. I think that's the better one between the two. Yeah, I, uh, I've i looked at that. I'll, I mean, I think, I think Jarvan's and Renekton are both going to be very strong champions. Jarvan is especially. Yeah, I, he's really good. I'm a little worried about Jarvan, not going to lie. <laughs> also, the Cataclysm card, uh, pretty strong. Haven't seems. had to play against that yet. I did play a game earlier, which I actually won, 
um, where I went against three Jarvins in one game. They actually found all three of their oh, J4s crap. and summoned all three of them from hand. I did end up winning in the end. Uh, it was that Ruination Jack, and that was the one that I won with uh, the Watcher. I won. I won a game with the Watcher on that one. Oh yeah. Now that I guess that makes sense. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> uh, just grinded him out. He just didn't have the ability to to end up coming back from it. But uh, yeah, fun, yeah. fun, fun deck and no, Jarvan is really strong. And it's gonna take a while, I think, for people to refine it to find that right balance of like do you are you running this with like elites or scouts or what you know like that there's the there's a balance there to be found that i think it's going to take a minute for them to get to but when they do oh boy yeah i i I agree because i i think that elites make a lot of sense for him um but it'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out and the new one mana elite one mana tutu elite that puts a card in your hand that it's like a, a one mana burst the next creature that you play gets challenger um that one mana two two that isn't an elite but if you have an elite if you behold an elite you add that card to your hand very strong card as well that this goodbye sithria will never see you again um (laughs) that that card is is really cool like uh you know sithria of cloud whatever other um you know the one mana two two this one is just well i mean i'll play a little bit of devil's advocate ultimately i think you're right that it's going to be the play over sithria but technically speaking Cythria is elite tagged, and this mm-hmm. other one, while it works with elites, it itself is not elite. So, like that's true. It's not a it's not a pure power creep. It's just a in it's basically power creep, but but there's an excuse for it to seem like it's not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you you lose the elite tag, but in reality, you don't really start synergizing between your elites on turn one um because the first thing that synergizes with your elites is the guy who gives your elites plus one plus one who is also not an elite himself um that comes down on two and so uh you really never synergize on turn one and it's a demacia card so it isn't hurting your uh your your uh, your allegiance ability um because you can run that in your deck it i think it's just a good card it's a really good card but um let's move on because we do want to bring up a handful of different topics of specific cards um, and, and some of the decks you've seen and I have a couple I want to talk about um, I just want to say a quick thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast no new ones this week but if you'd like to become a supporter of the show head over there to patreon.com slash legendscast this week we are also going to be releasing an episode of the mulligan um, which we missed an episode so really sorry about that guys but life has just been crazy for both DBN and I we actually were like today oh man we haven't done it yet in like a month um, so <laughs> we're going to release um, something over there so if you want to get access to like an additional 20-25 minutes worth of content that is not necessarily ever it's, it's actually not specifically LOR related it's just nerd culture related um, mm-hmm. become a subscriber over there at patreon.com slash legendscast DBN you said you have a winner for this week's deck name game is that correct I do I do so um, I, 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 I want to say this I picked it out like four days ago so before everyone started submitting uh new stuff yeah uh-huh. so i you know i haven't gone through uh all of the new stuff and and there is some good ones so i'm gonna go out on a limb and say we're gonna do it again next week just so because there's a lot of people submitting some really cool fun decks but i just had to go back to uh it's a it's it, it's just a funny pun to me. It just it just made me chuckle like out loud when I was just happened to look in there. Yeah, that's, so, how, that's how you uh, win a literal laugh out loud or chuckle out yeah, loud at the very least. Yeah. So it's uh 
the it is a deck from Etrex four two four zero. So congratulations, Etrex four two four zero. You yeah. don't win anything except getting shout out on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Well, congratulations, you, your deck will get linked. Um, so the deck is a Zed Swain list uh, with Ren Shadowblade, Cato the Arm, the Leviathan, uh, and Young Witch. Basically, uh, a lot of followers that allow people to get quick attack and or um, you know overwhelm because it's all about running uh, stalling and then running flurry of fists to get double attack on these either quick attack or overwhelm or yep. fearsome units so pretty fun uh, concept also runs wild claws which you know shout out to wild claws yeah card. we like to see that played we like to see that in a deck and <laughs> it's called flurry convention Oh, I didn't even see that. That's such a fun name. <laughs> so I I got a big kick out of it. Uh, <laughs> Flurry convention. Oh <laughs> uh, well, congratulations, each actually the winner of this week's deck name game. Uh, we will throw a a code for that list in the description of this episode, along with the deck that we just talked about uh, in the intro. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and move on and, and jump into this week's main segment. Time for the main event. <laughs> Guys, this week's main segment, like pretty much all uh, during a big release, is just us talking about the cards more because it's something interesting, and we each have things that we want to talk about, and I'm going to bring up the first subject, DBN, and I don't know if you have seen this OTK combo yet, but it got used against me today, and so I definitely wanted to bring it up and make sure that we talked about it. So the combo is, I don't know, have you seen concurrent timelines yet? Oh, uh, I think I know where you're going with this. Yes. Uh, yes. So yeah, Concurrent Timelines time yeah. is a one-mana slow spell from PNZ that simply reads, for the rest of the game, the first time you play follower each round, pick uh, a one of three followers with the same cost to transform it into. So this is like random, you know, craziness, silliness, probably not very good. However, there is one situation in which this card is exceedingly good. And that is if you combine this with Ladrus. So you play this card at some point during the game. On turn nine, you play Ladrus. Ladrus sets off his ability, which cuts your life in half and rounds up. And then after that ability hits the stack, you get an opportunity to transform him. So when you play him, his ability goes off, his skill hits the board, and then you can transform him. And you have something like a 68% chance because there's only like five nine-cost creatures in the game, right? So you have like a 58% chance to hit the Dreadway, which doubles the damage that your skills and spells do. If you hit Dreadway, it is a one-turn kill. So concurrent timelines into Ladros, you get lucky enough in that basically, you know, 66% opportunity to hit a one-turn kill off of it if your opponent cannot interact with that combo. Got used against me today against a player who played like total trash, and I couldn't beat him fast enough. <laughs> he just did that and won the game. Uh, kind of curious about your thoughts about this, DBN. Uh I mean, it's a only a two card strat. I mean, it. Yeah, but it's only as it's only a sixty six percent chance, or, or not even sixty six percent chance. I think it's like a sixty three percent is the number I saw. Okay, I've seen uh, everything from sixty to sixty eight percent. So, but 
you know, if somebody wants to play that, that percentage chance, I, I it's, it, I guess it's going to be annoying and ranked, but it doesn't bother me that much. Uh, Cause I think you can also Karina. So if you build your deck correctly, you could also go Ladris into Karina and almost kill them. Yeah, um, yeah, you could do this combo with Ladros or with Karina because, and in your nine cost, you get Bright Steel Formation, Commander Ladros, Karina, um, the giant uh, Kagrigadrin, the Infernal Dragon yeah, guy, Kagrigan. Um, Mina Swift Foot or the Dreadway. And of course, out of all of those, you wouldn't mind getting Bright Steel Formation or the Dreadway. Um, and you probably right. have basically a 100% chance of, of landing. Well, not 100%, but close to 100% chance of landing in getting at least one of those two, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, you're going to get three options. My question was, do you know if it could give you Ladros as an option? Like, if you play Ladros, can it give you the card that it is as an option? Or does it? do you know if it has to be transformed into something else? I actually don't know. Um, it's probably worth looking at the wording. Let me pull it up real fast because that is actually just a really interesting situation i don't i haven't seen anyone say it anywhere but i mean then you would basically cut them down to yeah what, just five one yeah from 20 down to five basically yeah five uh, different pick yeah. one of three followers for the same cost now i i think supposedly you could do that okay. um there's no reason why it wouldn't now it it would different some of them so, so Ladris's ability would not go off twice because Ladris is a play ability um and that summons a new version of him so it doesn't actually you know like if you get mina she doesn't also recall three enemies in addition right. to getting Ladris ability off is what i'm right. saying um you would buff all your you dragons know, plus two plus two everywhere though if you... I, I just think it's meme i just think it's meme enough uh that it'll be it'll be kind of like the targon's peak where people will play it for the next two weeks and because it's not super consistent they will stop playing it and eventually you won't run into it anymore because it won't be like the the hot new thing right so like I, you know targon's peep annoyed me because i was worried it was going to be like it was going to stick around stronger than it was mm -hmm. and after a certain amount of time it became apparent that it just wasn't quite good enough the meta was too fast for it to really take hold of anything you know in a slower meta potentially targon's peak has the opportunity to be busted um but that would have to be a really slow meta <laughs> and you'd run into a situation where like potentially somebody could run you know beefier eight drop dudes or the watcher or something like that um uh -huh. so i i guess what i'm getting at here realistically is i i don't think it's a problem i think it'll it'll solve itself and if it is a problem they don't actually have to nerf it they'll just print a nine drop and sure. then the percentage chances will drop to like 50 or lower Sure. The like, other thing that you could do too, right? It, <laughs> like the really simple fix to that OTK and keeping basically the spirit of the card is they don't actually use their um, their summon or their play abilities before you have to choose a new copy, right? Like, and whenever you play it, you get the play ability of the copy that you chose. So that way, Ladra's uh, ability that's doesn't That's a lot of work. Off. I just don't think I don't even think that'll ever be necessary. It, pro it probably isn't, but I was actually surprised that it worked the way that it did. I, I didn't expect Ladros' ability to go off, and then you be mm -hmm. able to choose something new 
and get that new thing's static ability on Ladros's skill that went off. Like, it just seemed weird on timing to me. And, and something else that, so the the one deck that I played with it, they had a uh, puff cap, uh, the 4-3 the that adds two puff caps to your hand, yeah, right? Chump Womp. Yeah, Chump Womp or whatever. Uh, chump Womp is the one that adds one, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Either one, if you play Chump Womp, it would add the one cost spell uh, to I, your I'm hand. Is it called Chump Womp? Is the... What's a what's yeah, the clump of wumps? Clump the, of wumps is the smaller one. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so the thing that was interesting to me is is that like you can play one of those two, you can get the mushroom cloud card in hand, and then you also get to transform the clump of wumps or the chump wump and get whatever it transforms into. So, and I was just kind of yeah. surprised at that. I sort of expected it to be like every 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 first creature you played, it transforms and does and just does whatever that creature would do on play. It wouldn't get the playability of the card that you played and then swap it to something new. Well, I thought that was strange. And that that well, and that potentially makes the card ever worth playing because it would be a truly stupid meme if you build a deck and then play a, a card that says, "Well, don't play anything that's in your deck," or at least right? not the first the first time you play it, you know, each round. But yes, right. uh -huh. but I mean, I think the dream is to have that card down early, and then play a bunch of cards that have play effects mm -hmm. or summon effects, and then hope you roll a creature that has a summon effect. Oh yeah, that that's true. Because then you get both, right? Both effects. You get both, right? Yeah. Um, it's still super meme right in that scenario yeah super and i it, it'll be fun to mess with and you know, at the end of your event pass you'll get a prismatic one by mm. the way so you don't even really need to well oh, actually crap. that's a question do you have to craft it you get uh yeah, i don't get... know uh oh no you just get the cards you don't get prismatic ones. yes i think you do have yeah, to you craft just... an azir to get the to be able to use like you would have like a uh, prismatic azir without crafting if you if you well, don't maybe craft you just azirs, get one copy you might you just, just get, get a single copy. copy i think that's what it is because that's what I, when i read the like the layout it said one copy of the buried sun disc you know prismatic and i was like well that's dumb what if i want three uh and well, then i was like does that mean and so when i realized that you'll probably get a single copy of the card but then it'll prismatic, and I know that you get them off of the of the rewards track. So, by the way, don't craft sun discs, guys. No. Just go level up Sharima one single level and get your and three, get copies three copies over there. And that then, was an interesting. I, that surprised me. That was a pleasant surprise. That was surprising to me as well. Uh, they're giving away a lot of epics through the event pass. Um, and mm. uh, all of those epics are free, by the way. If you grind the event pass, you you actually can get them without purchasing the event pass if you just want the epics. Oh, uh, yep. Yep, That's all, true. all of them are free. And, and so is actually the Azir card back um, is also free, which is pretty interesting because the Azir card back is really mm. cool. Um, uh yeah, that one that's cool too. I like the Nasus one as well. They're all they're all good. Yep. And um, you're you're actually your prismatic buried buried sun discs are also free uh to get the prismatic version. So you can get a prismatic version of your your buried sun discs without ever buying anything, uh, which is really cool. Uh, completely free. Now now I want to talk about real fast, if you yep. don't mind me transitioning. No, here. I want to transition. I want to. I want to talk about specifically the uh supplementary cards, like the random cards. That go with old uh, archetypes. Okay, uh, you remember that that grouping? 
Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna pull them up just so that I. It's I, the uh, one that had concurrent timelines in the in the preview. It's got like a big dragon on it. Uh, uh in the background art. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So what I wanted do you to want talk, to talk about, about specifically. I found this to be really interesting. Um, a little surprising, and some of the cards I'm I want to hear your take because I felt whereas everything else in this set I I felt like was pretty competitive and strong. Uh, and, and even the cards that maybe weren't quite as good, they were clearly intended to be synergistic. And some of these I, I found a little disappointing. Um, if I'm going to be, although some of them are really cool, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out how to feel about this, right? So, so for instance, right, mm -hmm. uh, we have the Lost Riches card. Lost Riches. Okay, let me, let me go find that one. Uh, what's the so, cost on Lost Riches? It's Bilgewater. It's a four cost. Okay. So this one's really interesting, but darn it, if it doesn't feel like intentionally ner like pre-nerfed a little bit, right? Yes. So it says draw a treasure, and if there aren't any treasures to draw, create two treasures in your deck instead. Mm -hmm. So at four mana, you are spending four mana to draw a card that costs five mana that yeah. and the first time you play this you do nothing yep unless you've already played a seven drop creature there's yeah. only two cards that have these treasures which by the way is a really cool mechanic i loved the uh the, the shipwreck hoarder um i i just there wasn't enough way to consistently get to the treasures now there is the problem is that it's so dang expensive and the treasures um, are really powerful. Don't get me wrong, but like, then you're like, do I really want to play a treasure not, they're deck not or nine just a mana deep powerful. deck? Yeah, you know, uh, and then you know, so that that kind of was like, I just I really want to play it, but I know it's just not going to be great. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just so so mana inefficient that it it becomes like, why bother, right? Like I at first I was thinking, oh man, maybe I'll play this with like a toss deck with Malkai. I was like, wait, why would I bother to toss for treasures? When I could toss for sea monsters, it's just strictly worse. Um, speaking of which, Sea Scarab came in, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of deep fans, are pretty upset about Sea Scarab um, because it completely, like, well, not completely, but it it now adds a really low roll to your slaughter docks. Hmm. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Uh... So now, now your slaughter docks could get you a five four instead of the the lowest it could get you was like a seven seven. Yeah, sea scarab's interesting. I like. Saw oh no, that the lowest one. it could get you was a six six with elusive. Uh yeah, which is the worst it could get you, one, which isn't bad, which is better than a seven seven with nothing. Um, yeah, Sea Scarab is really interesting because when an ally dies, last breath toss one. It's like, it's like thorny thorny I'll be toad. Honest, I noticed you. I noticed it was deep. I did not notice that it was sea monster. Yeah, and there and, and yeah. actually, your um, there's more than just that because your uh, your your thing, the Jaw Hunters, yeah, uh, Gibbles and bitches said Jaw Y'all Hunters in chat. Oh yeah, can pull. It's this a huge nerf to Y'all Hunters. Like, True. you never really want to draw this off. Well, of that. maybe well, maybe in well, some scenarios. Well. In the early game, you there's a it. What it does is that like when you played Y'all Hunters, you you knew for sure that you were getting a later game card. You knew that. 
there are going to be times when you play y'all hunter that you want a cheap guy to throw down as a blocker, but you're going to be equally screwed by the number of times you want a big beefcake and you get this goon. Mm-hmm. So like y'all hunter went from a consistent generator where like you, you have a certain array of, of choices that all contribute to that same, like, Hey, I'm going to generate a finisher. And the, the worst one you could get was the four mana basically blank like the four mana seven seven that's blank that's the worst you could do but it's still a seven seven that once you drop nautilus is a one mana seven seven so you know? zero mana seven seven actually because uh, uh, nautilus discounts by four correct yeah yeah you're right you're right zero mana seven seven so like uh <laughs> so the issue is that like sea scarab is just not worth that you're not you know compared to a terror of the deep or an abyssal eye or a, a devour like you that smaller pool benefited those cards because not just because of what the high roll is but because of the level of consistent expectations and that has now broadened so you know by a pretty big percentage considering the small amount of sea monsters in the game so um and then you have a couple other things uh i think the soul spinner just feels kind of like pointless a little bit to me like the soul spinner feels weird although i'm just now realizing it's a spider oh yeah interesting when i'm seven grant me plus one plus one and fearsome if an ally died this round yeah i didn't realize it, it, it had the spider, spider tag it is so spider. that that actually changes my I was originally kind of complaining about it because it's like, well, that's cute. Like a, a three mana oh, four man, three, cool like art. they those exist. Um, and you know, you have the the Wraith Caller, which is was gonna be <laughs> sure. uh kind of like, well, you could wait a turn, Wraith Caller or whatever. You, you know, the you've got the frenzied skitterer at three. Um, and that's the only thing I guess I'll say about it is like the spider pool just got two new cards, but I'm wondering how they are going to slot in considering there's so many spiders. I mean, if we look at tribal tags, spiders have got to be the most populous and a lot of them are at the same cost. So you're really competing because on one hand you want to undercurve them, right? And get a lot of them out. But on the other hand, you've got these really powerful worthwhile big guys and it's kind of hard to balance. You can't fit all of them in. So it'll just be interesting to see how spiders shake out. But I know a lot of people in our chat was really excited about it. The shrieking spinner in particular as a attack, give all of your spiders plus one attack. And, and that's a permanent buff in case some of the spiders go unblocked. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm just kind of looking through a lot of the new cards that, that have been added. Right. And yeah. specifically the ones that are from the non-champion regions. Right. So yeah, Bilgewater, Piltover and Zahn, Ionia and Targan. These are the ones that we didn't say anything. Against. And I think a lot of the cards in these, there's two for each are just a miss, right? Like, okay, so you have concurrent timelines. Maybe that one isn't. Maybe there's a Mimi thing there. Maybe it gets nerfed. I don't know. I don't know what they're I don't know what they're gonna do there. Um, you know, production surge to play, spend all your mana, summon a random send random turrets whose total cost is equal to the mana spent. It's like uh, I you know, Shadow Apprentice, kind of a miss. Um, Field Musicians, kind of feels like a miss. Loaded Dice, really cool. Love that they returned to the nab keyword there. Um, yeah. 
But just that's feels the only like one that I'm potentially nothing. interested in. I mean, it is really interesting. Like Destiny's Call, eight mana, give an ally in your hand, plus eight, plus eight. Just kind of boring, right? Like we yeah, know that boring. Like, it's not that they they don't have uses. Yeah, Shadow Apprentice is like, when is that gonna happen? Um, Yield yeah. Musicians is one that kind of interested me at first, and then I was like. Ionia trying to go to play three cards in a turn. I mean, three allies you, too. Yeah, three. Yeah, summon three other allies. You have to play. You play this guy. What does Ionia ever do? That? And you're well. You're almost never going to be able to trigger this on the same turn. That's for sure. Unless you oh, unless you can play this and then play the four mana Kenku Allegiance guy that summons two one drops. It's just it's it's a cool card and it wants to be good, but how are you ever gonna fuel the idea of playing three allies in a turn consistently? Like it's just, and it would yeah. be one thing if this was like fueling kind of like a uh, an elusive you know like blitz strategy of some type where you you're like playing this and it says like okay if you play three other allies in a turn, you know yeah. give them all plus one plus one and uh, or. You know, something like that. And, and and so it was like, okay, yeah, you're going to play a bunch of stuff, and then we're going to buff it. And it's like, okay, I want to hold my elusives in hand, drop this, drop three elusives, buff them all, and attack with them. I could see that being, but then it's like, oh, you're refilling your spell mana, which helps you play spells, which your deck yeah. doesn't even have many of because you have to run so many creatures to consistently play three creatures plus this in a round. <laughs> like, I was, uh, uh, I was super bummed about the Crimson Blood Letter. Um, which may be still playable, uh, potentially even like in an aggro deck that brings back like Crimson Disciple and stuff like that. Um, it, it might be playable, but the problem with Crimson Bloodletter is in the um, Freljord, Noxus sort of combos, right? You're competing pretty heavily with uh, like with the Scarground deck with like the the Reaver, the zero three Reaver. You're also competing with Omenhawk. Um, so Crimson Bloodletter would have to do something really exciting for it to be worth that slot. And they don't know if damaging the first thing that you summon after the Crimson Bloodletter is enough. Like a one mana two three, like cool. And you are triggering your maybe you play this with like uh, an aggro build that like uh Ruthless Raider, where you play the tough guy, doesn't actually hurt it. Mm -hmm. You know, you that's I guess the best case in you know the dream yeah, scenario. Yeah, Ruthless Raider, yeah. Right, so it's really, I think, best in like an aggressive Noxus self-damage build. But I, I, when I first read it, I read that it just any time you, the first time you, like when you summon something, not the next time. I was thinking the first time around or something. And so I was like, oh, this thing can stick around and eventually become really big. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's not that. Yeah, it doesn't and consistently grow. Yeah. It would have been good for the Crimson Package. That's interesting too, the Crimson Package. Can I can I talk about the one and, and then I want to get back to I think it's interesting to talk about some of these things that we're seeing that was like it's kind of a miss, maybe a miss for us. Yeah, some of the, the and this is the only thing that feels like a miss for me from the set. Like these, like they were all revealed on the same day, and and they're all except for loaded dice, which I'm excited about. I'm gonna do some dumb stuff. It's probably not gonna be good, but it's gonna be funny. But uh, I, I want to steal their whole deck. Is the premise? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the cool part steal. is, is that even your yeah. spells, like your, uh, even your spells that damage the enemy nexus, nab from them as well. It's not just your creatures. Yeah. I think that's really cool yeah. and fun. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty hilarious. I want to steal their whole deck, uh, or at least never have to draw my own cards again. Uh, <laughs> I want to play their deck. Uh, 
the only but a lot of these besides that a lot of these really felt like misses compared to the awesomeness that is the rest of the set so i just kind of wanted to highlight that i mean i think they could have just been a little bit more i know they don't want i think what it is i think they don't want to take the the shine off of the they you know the sharima like they don't want to run the risk of one of these cards being really good and taking away the excitement of the fancy new region which is why they printed a lot of just okay cards yeah and i i these. think but but i'm never a fan of printing just okay cards <laughs> <laughs> yeah no matter and then i think that and they definitely did that in this and i i want to go to maybe the one that is the biggest offender for me which isn't uh isn't one of these cards that we're talking about but it's leblanc um mm. I, I just don't uh, get LeBlanc. Like, another three-mana champion in Noxus? Like, we already have, what, Draven, Riven, and Katarina. This is our fourth three-mana aggressive champion in Noxus. Yeah. Fourth. Um, I, I wonder... So, yeah. So, you have, in, in Noxus, you have... Four three mana champions, two fives and a six. Yep, we don't have any fours. There's no fours. There's no twos. There's no sevens or eights or nines or tens. Any of those. Uh, but like, looking at the other, looking at the other regions, right? Like, uh, everything's a lot more spread out. PNZ has one, 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 three, two fours and two fives. You go over to Shadow Isles. You've got a two, a three, two fours, two fives, a six. You know, uh, Bilgewater. You've got a one, a three, two fours, a five, and a seven. I, I can go on, but none of them have any more. The 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 only. Let's see. I think Frailyord has a lot of has, sixes. They have two sixes. Only two. No other faction. No other faction. I'm just double checking my math. Has more than two copies uh, or two drops, two champions on the same drop. Yep, and that's a little strange to me. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, yeah. Every other faction has no more than two two champions at the same mana cost, and yet Noxus has four at the same cost. And you know. I have. I hate to say this, man. I've. I. I, wa I want to love Noxus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been I Noxus fanboy from Noxus. the beginning, right? Yeah, that was the original faction that I picked up. And as much as I love my my terrible boy Vlad, I love him. He's my only prismatic champion. I still play him. I mean, he's bad, but I still play him. Sure. Um, <laughs> but the only. It's not good, but I do play him. Right. But the only. Uh, champion that i get excited about besides vlad anymore is riven like riven is an awesomely designed champion i love riven swain is very powerful but had that span where it's just like so overplayed but i don't know katarina still feels weird draven is just linear 
And I think LeBlanc is is very similar to Draven. It's just like a a very... You're playing her because she's a three-mana 5-2 with quick attack. You're not playing her because of her level up or anything of her other stuff, right? She's just an aggressively statted... She's a a three-mana 5-attack creature for your Ash or your Sejuani deck that wants to run into Noxus just to pick up those 5-attack creatures. What bothers me about LeBlanc is not LeBlanc, it's herself. Like, I actually don't hate the card in and of itself. Like, okay, yeah, that's fair. 5-2 quick attack. That's pretty good. Like, uh, you know, I mean, Noxus has a lot of cards that say 5 power matters. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, that's that. it's an already established thing. My issue with LeBlanc is as such. One, the level up just doesn't feel that exciting. Mm, I I would agree with that. Summoning an extra copy, uh, of an ally is cute and flavorful. I mean, mirror image is flavorful. I just, it's kind of hard to get leveled up. It's, it feels almost not worth the effort. Yeah. And right? then it's a slow spell, which I think it makes it even more difficult because you cast it on something and your yeah. opponent just removes that thing. Like if it was a yeah, you, four mana burst spell, that would be very interesting to me. Right. Um, the sigil of malice is pretty terrible. Like, just all around terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I mean, it is just strictly awful. Uh, you can do, <laughs> you can, it, it's it's so bad. Um, re, but here's my issue with LeBlanc. She, it feels to me like they had this great idea for reputation. And they've said, oh, we've got Severe. Wow, look at this champion with, uh, you know, this this reputation thing. We really want to play off this reputation thing. What can we do that will work with it? Uh, well, Noxus already kind of kind of does things with five power units. Well, well this will be their crossover. It felt like they had the idea of the, the mechanics before they looked at the champ and said, how can we make this as flavorful as possible? It's like... So there's this, I've talked about this, not on this channel, but at length, some of my friends are going to roll their eyes. Um, But like, there's different style of authors, right? You have authors that are like, what's known as like outliners, right? They, before they sit down to write their book, they will plot every little thing. And then all they have to do is use words to fill in the gaps and connect things. What is beneficial about that is that oftentimes they have a very well-rounded plot uh, that, you know, uh, it tends to build on itself and ramp up. The downside is there is oftentimes a little bit less flair because Hmm. you can tell that they're just trying to find a way to get this character to this place. It, it, you know, it, it can feel it's like stilted, right? Um, and that's what I'm looking at here. It feels, you know, whereas a lot of these other champions feels like they started with the champion. They said, how, what does this champion do? What is their story? What, you know, how can we really play up on that? And whether or not that's their style, that's the end, how the end result feels. That translates with Azir, with Talia, with Renekton. It translates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about Severe. And I, I, so, but I, but, but LeBlanc is this illusory manipulation mirror imagey thing. I think I pretty much am getting the drift here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like that 
is, it feels like they said, okay, we need something to go with this five power thing. We know we were going to do LeBlanc. Let's go ahead and have LeBlanc be a, a five power matters character. Even if she is a wizard that casts illusions and duplicates and stuff. It doesn't feel like I'm, it doesn't feel like the character of LeBlanc was preserved as well as maybe it could have. Now, I am not an expert on LeBlanc. This is just from what I've looked up. Yeah, I mean, LeBlanc but is a I don't a feel mage like I'm assassin. making a bunch of... Hmm? LeBlanc is a mage assassin in League of Legends, um, but she just makes way more sense to have elusive. Um, and that, actually, that's what the, the what Doc is saying in the channel, is that she makes more sense with elusive. She makes more sense with a burst mirror image than a right. two-mana slow mirror image, something that can catch your opponent off guard, something that or can burst damage. Like, like getting to play it sooner, getting to feel like the character... I am a huge fan of when the level one abilities actually do things. Mm -hmm. I don't like champs. And the reason I'm not excited about severe is severe is just a, just a unit before she comes down. She doesn't do anything. She's blank. She's got some nice keywords, but she's blank until she levels. I'm not a fan of that design. My champions better say that, say and do something cool at level one. Yeah. It I doesn't mean have to be strong, but it needs to be cool. Yeah, I mean, you think of that just like compared to Kindred, right? Like Kindred is this sort of control machine that also has quick attack that when he comes down, he, he does stuff to the board. Talia does stuff to the board. Lissandra does stuff to the board. Azir buffs your board, Renekton pushing you towards your, your win con. Nasus arguably is doesn't really do that, but Nasus continually grows. So there's some level of interest there. Um in, uh, I would say that Nasus, Nasus is what Nasus is as opposed to, you know, for this level one. Yes, it doesn't technically have a ability like a like a fancy ability, uh -huh. but it is conditional on how you've played the game thus far, which is unique and interesting. Yeah. So I like the value of Nasus is how well have I played my game plan, though, so far? Listen, there's a reason why I have not crafted LeBlanc or Severe. It, 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 there, there's there's a reason for it and they're just not interesting to me they seem like vanilla uh not vanilla but they, they seem like followers like they these are cards that once again seem a little bit like followers and um i just you know you do feel like okay did they was the effort put into these champs like it was put in to some of these other champions that came out in this set and and maybe but it doesn't feel like it you know I'm looking um, at the fact that I that I'm looking at a leveled up LeBlanc artwork that has her looking down at like a, a mirrored desk and she's got like five versions of herself around her, like five illusory mm -hmm. versions. And I'm feeling I'm not feeling like that is what the character I'm playing is. Absolutely not. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is uh I can duplicate my champions easier with Talia. <laughs> yes you can in fact I there's played a another game. champion in the same expansion that can duplicate herself permanently easier than leblanc can temporarily duplicate herself yep i agree uh speaking of let's let's move on to something that we love and i want to talk about talia 
and how much I love Talia. Uh, Talia is so cool. I won a game earlier today where I did. Uh, I went up against the big Nasus, right? And I um, I ended up using the thing where you put her in a statue, and then I had another copy of her in hand, and I copied my statue, and I won with the three Talia play with just so much damage to face. It's so interesting because her her gameplay is kind of like don't do anything to the board, don't do anything to the board, just playing landmarks. Then it's like. Oh, she's leveled up and you took 16 damage this round. Um, she burst so much harder than I thought that she would. Absolutely love it. And the, the, the gameplay is so intriguing and so different from what we've seen so far with the countdowns and the landmarks. I think they've done really cool stuff with the landmarks in this game and the countdown mechanic in general. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I have built an allegiance to Leah list that I'm really happy with. It's the only thing I've played so far. Uh, and uh, I'm really happy with it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, really fun. It manhandled that TF uh, Burblefish baloney, which felt really good. <laughs> yes. Um, and what's crazy about it is there's a couple things here that, that like, I, I put a lot of thought into this because I was thinking originally, okay, I'm going to play this with Lysandra. So I can generate an extra landmark mm -hmm. on three uh, and put a body down. Then I realized the the strongest thing about the deck is Talia. You need to be able to get Talia consistently. How am I going to do that? That's going to be right of calling or the golden ambassador, the allegiance yep. four drop that draws a champion, grants a plus two plus two. And I don't want either of those to accidentally pull Lysandra. Yep. Uh -huh. I want to guarantee that I get Talia every time because she's going to end the game for me right so i said okay that's great so we're just going to go mono or you know or only talia for the champion um and the way i want to do that is golden ambassador and right of calling so i'm running two copies of each i might go to three copies of one two copies of the other um but so i was like okay allegiance well maybe i'll slap some other faction in for like two or three copies I still haven't found what that is, but I think it exists. But what's crazy about this is you have all these really, really nice to drop early landmarks that are going to help you get to Leah leveled. And I consistently got to Leah leveled on like turn six, sometimes on turn five. And she's very it's good absolutely once she's leveled. Nuts. Huh? She's very, very good once she's leveled. Oh, absolutely. Um, Ancient Hourglass being, of course, the way that you can duplicate her. I've done it a couple times. Uh, so it's like not even a super inconsistent thing because of your ability to pull extra copies of her with Rite of Calling mm -hmm. and with uh, the Allegiance Golden Ambassador. You can pretty consistently get uh, the cards in hand needed to clone her. Uh, but what I absolutely think is the coolest thing is all of the predict and how helpful the predict cards are for, you know, cleaning up what could otherwise be a clunky deck because you've got like just like a deck that runs a high spell count compared to like a unit count like something like um like like sometimes shen and fiora can brick because yeah, of the fact that like it runs so many spells so much protection. it's a great deck uh -huh. but but it has that potential to brick and so like this is one that you'd think would have that potential but because of like aspiring chronomancer uh and the uh where is it the size scout because of those uh you're able to usually say okay i know what i need to get going into this next turn or two let me go ahead and set that up um and it just it it this deck 
I don't think it's ever going to be tier one, but it's super, super unique and fun. And it can actually put so much pressure on like the turns five through seven range, which I feel like is this like this lost mid range deck that LOR has never quite been able to translate from uh, games like Hearthstone and Tessel. It's never quite been able to do this like big pressure push mm-hmm. yeah in, so the, like, in the mid game not there's been some times where you've seen more snowballing of that with the is Masia, different but... from yeah snowballing's different though you know like from from like a mid game push because you've got all these delayed value things mm-hmm. these different rock bear cards are just these delayed value cards and then you get a champion that absolutely just wrecks whatever goes up against it or hits the face for six. Yeah, really hard to deal with. Talia is very difficult to deal with once she's leveled yes. up. <laughs> Especially if you clone her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> such a fun, when, such when a fun deck. When she fills the whole uh, board with nine uses of her ability, it's wild. Yeah. It's super fun, I, though. I originally put Shaped Stone in as three, but I found that I uh, whittled it down to just two copies. I may eventually put it back to three as a way to kill big units. I just wasn't running into them. But the the MVP for me had to be... Uh, actually, Desert Naturalist ended up being a little less impactful than I thought it would be, so I might actually cut that one down. Okay, uh, I'm just running three copies because I... I Normally, I want the card draw for Preservarium. I want the Rock Bears oh, to get played. So good. I want the Hourglasses to get played. So th- there's very few times when I actually want to blow my own thing. The only thing is sometimes Ancient Preparations, which I'm running as a kind of one-drop reflexive play, mm-hmm. um, is a good one to choose to blow up. It also predicts, which is the big important part about it, more so, um, honestly, than the Clockling. Um, so that's a nice one to blow up. And sometimes the Preservarium. But the the card that felt like MVP was the Ruthless Predator. I cannot tell you how impactful that card is because you've really got a good. lot of junk units. You know, Aspiring Chronomancer, Rockhopper, like after playing the Rolling Sands, the Psy Scout. Like these units are important to set up to Leah, but they don't do much once they come down. Like a like the Rockhopper just sits there as a 3-1. And sometimes you need to go after their their champs. And the best way to do that is give them vulnerable uh, and go smack them in the face with a Ruthless Predator. Also, the artwork on Ruthless Predator is just worth it. It just looks good. Yeah, Ruthless Predator is really good. Um, the Preservarium, which I saw early on and said, this is a really good card, as it turns out, is a really good card. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like drawing cards is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like drawing cards, even when it's delayed and it's not even really delayed, is really good. Yeah. As it turns out, that card's so good. Um, That is, I, I don't know. I think that's going to be an absolute staple in Shurima. Um, and you will kind of occasionally dip into this, this, this just to get that card. Like, just to get draw, to, to extend its really good draw. Um, and I think you will occasionally dip in just to get that that landmark. Yeah. I mean, you've got things now, I will say, like, from the Noxus side of things, like, you've got that new one. That draws two. It might, yeah, it might be the only of these reputation cards that I think is actually, like, okay. Oh, yeah, two mana draw two is incredible. Like, that's a great, two mana burst yeah, if draw you, two if you is get fantastic. To, if you get to being that, yeah, if you get to, to that level. Sometimes a four um, mana burst draw two is not that bad, because it's burst, like... Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Now, like, it, like you compare to like uh, Glimpse Beyond, and Glimpse Beyond requires a cost. Now, there's a little bit of added benefit for it to remove a blocker, um, or uh-huh. or yeah. make use of something that's going to die otherwise. Like, there's situations where it's better, um, but you know, 
um yeah there are other there's more card draw being released in this expansion and there's actually quite a bit of it in shirima so like although shirima doesn't have a ton of like direct removal like say another faction with like uh, pnz another faction with a lot of card draw um they don't have a lot of direct removal but they have a lot of ways to leverage that card draw into a intimidating board state and so uh-huh. i'm just i'm just very impressed with it I crafted two right of negations. I think it's about time we yeah, talk about let, that. Let, let's, talk, let's close out our discussion talking about right of negation because this card, I can't believe this is in the game, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so This surprised, context, me. This right surprised negation, me more than anything else. Most surprised about this card. This, this did surprise me too. I, I'm not surprised that they added a negate to something else, to another faction. I'm just surprised that it was this card. Um, <laughs> So four mana fast. So yep. guess what else is four mana fast? Deny. Deny. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, kill an ally or destroy one of your mana gems to stop all enemy fast spells, slow spells, and skills. Oh my god! It's just crazy to me. So so it has a cost. Like deny doesn't have a cost. Hmm. Deny. You just pick one thing and it goes away. Yeah. Right of negation, True. you have to kill kill an ally or destroy one of your mana gems. There's a cost. There's a cost, but the upside is significantly higher. The like co- the cost, I'm willing to pay. Yeah, it is a it is a oh it's it's a very fair cost uh, because this can um, it can blow up all of those. You know, if you have like a Talia, which you know is hitting your face four six. You can blow all three of those up. Get rid of all of Although them. Although I think actually, well, if you have cloned Talia's, uh, what is the maximum number of of skills I, that can I, be on the board? It's ten, right? I think it's ten. It could be nine. I I don't know. Because uh, when I played it, I thought it was ten until I I played all three Talia's and smacked, you know, filled up nine rock blast things. Uh huh. And it seemed like it filled up the whole board, but I don't know if they'd squish it more together for a tenth. But there is a cap to the number of skills and spells and stuff that can be on the chain. There's a there is a cap, and I see either nine or ten. Um, but I mean, if somebody goes and plays like a glimpse on something, and then goes ahead and plays like a troll chant or a, you know I don't know a mark of the isles or whatever, they could play two or three cards within their whole. Well, troll chant and mark of the isles are technically those both burst, are, those are burst. Those You're are right. bad example. But um, if somebody could, wants to you know vengeance something and glimpse something. Uh, or mystic shot and get excited something yeah like let's say they want to deal damage to your face and they want to burn you out with mystic shot and and get excited on your face this gets rid of both of them or misfortune uses her love tap ability and is about to completely shred your board and your face gets rid of that it's a skill blow it up they can play something so like the raw flexibility of this card is incredible and the ability of this card compared to deny uh, to answer multiple things for a marginal cost, because, you know, I, I've yet to play this card or have it be played against me with them using uh, a mana gem. They've, every time they've done it, they've blown up a dude for it. See, I've played this twice. I blew up a mana gem both times. And how impactful was that to you, really? I did not notice. 
I feel like after turns like five, six, yep. you you losing a mana gem unless you're playing a really harder control list is not going to make that big of a difference. Nope. Unless you do it multiple times. Yep. Like like if you blow up your mana gem two or three times in like one or two turns, you're going to get noticeably behind in terms of like resources. And I think it's a really interesting uh, concept and one that I would actually like to see them explore more with like a champion that is based around that. But man, uh, yeah, I mean, this this card is this card. The unfortunate nature of this card is not that I I actually don't even dislike this card existing. I I think maybe it's a little too efficient kind of like a, the bastion was at three mana like i think eventually it might go to five or something like that the issue i have with it is that it steps on one of the only unique things about ionia that is compelling i saw someone on reddit say uh mention this uh in kind of a, a joking uh sort of discussion regarding this card uh talking about how dead ionia is going to be and somebody said yeah. that poor lee sin is going to break his back over here carrying the faction and it it's feels so kind of like that. It's so, I mean, what is there to go to Ionia for at this point, except Lee Sin? Yeah, I mean, Lee Eye Sin, of the Dragon. and then like F- Fiora Shen, maybe. Yeah, even Fiora Shen, you're really hardly even going there for Shen at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, you're, you are only going there for Shen. You're not really going there for much of anything else. Like Fiora Shen is mostly Fiora. Right, like, yeah. And I mean, I, I think that I'm probably going to mess around with a Azir build that might run the um, death mark so that I can kill things through my easy-to-generate ephemerals. Yeah, that's interesting. I might I might mess with that. I don't think it's going to be the best version, but I'll probably mess with it. But the point being, like, Lee Sin has been carrying Ionia for a long time. There is so much inconsistency in the, like, you know, it's, it's here's what it is. Like, you go over and look uh at uh, Sharima and the like you you see this change in direction in like Sharima and even Targon uh towards more synergistic groupings of cards not necessarily like pre-built decks although as we saw with like TK Soraka that kind of existed but that was maybe a little bit of a you know aberration because there were these two champs that just so naturally fit together that came out at the same time it just maybe felt worse than it was mm-hmm. but you've got this design direction of wanting to print mostly cards that are intended to go with other cards in the strategy i think that that's something that got changed from the Bilgewater and before where you have a lot of cards that just are trying to be good stuff cards you know sure. you've got a, a few things in ionia that are like these feel out of sync with the way that Riot has decided to design Legends of Runeterra to, like this last year, like like this year and going forward, right? That that don't play together well, that don't complement each other particularly, um, and that just feel really unfocused. And I think if they took some of these cards and refocused them, things like Scaled Snapper, you know weirdly one of the you know for a while one of the better three drops in ionia but like what is this synergizing with nothing really right you got things like green glade elder and the you know hand buffing thing but then no payoff for hand buffing mm-hmm. yeah and outside really not of enough sort of zed but like there's way better ways to do that right 
you know, um, there's just it's just really all over the place. You've got the yeah. elusives that are now basically useless after that initial impact. I just feel that I would love to see them go back to some of the older Ionia cards and say, we've got too many ideas going on around here. Like we've got too many half fleshed out synergies and archetypes. Let's go ahead and and maybe remove like rework all of the cards in this archetype so that they play ball, you know, with another. Yeah, I think, and I think that, that could really Ionia is in a bad place, right? Like, and Lee Sin is going to be strong because of what Lee Sin does. Um, but overall, Ionia is just in a bad, it's just not in a good place. Like, and it's so yeah. funny because in different reach times, that hasn't been the case. Like, there's been times where Lee Sin was super busted. Zed was being played a lot. Karma was incredibly busted for a season, right? Um, there's, yeah. there's been times where that hasn't been the case, but right now, like I just scroll through Ionia and I'm like, there's nothing in here that I want to play. And a lot of the newer cards that they've gotten, it's like Fury of Fists, fun, not great. Monastery of that that the, the thing that creates sanctuaries in your hand, like their landmark. So bad. The, Homecoming, bad. Like the rework on Grand know, Shadow Blade, not great. Like, ah. You know what it is? This is from like a macro perspective. There's a lot of micro reasons why Ionia is likely going to struggle now more so than ever. Yeah. Who knows? For all we know, karma could come back in a big way. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest issue with Ionia is that it is a faction that at its core doesn't want to engage with the opponent. Hmm. And so what that means is it's either busted or useless. Because if they don't engage with, you know, if they don't want to interact with the opponent and they're good, it'll get nerfed because it's not fun. Yeah, that's true. And then once it gets nerfed, it won't be playable because it's not good. Mm. So you have things like Yasuo, which is one of the most, as much as I like Yasuo, and I liked him a lot more at the, at the beginning of the game because he was so unique. And now there's so many other very unique champions that he has a lot less draw to me. Right. Sure. But Yasuo is a is a card that fundamentally wants to sit back and tell your opponent, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you. You know, I'm gonna fight you before the battle begins. Mm -hmm. Fun concept, but in practice, it's either super busted or it's a lot of say not no. playable. It's a lot of just say right. no. Right. Yeah, a lot of say no. Shen, I don't want your thing to hurt my thing. Zed, you're not gonna be able to hurt me because I have a quick attack. Karma. Uh, I'm going to sit back for 17 turns and then eventually just continually play <laughs> win, spells and, then and never go to battle. Yeah, uh -huh. You know, even Lee Sin gets barrier and then kicks things away before they ever even fight. Uh, oh yeah. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of Ionia is stuff that, I mean, Lulu might be the exception and that's a bad exception. Right. Yeah. And so you've just got all these things that don't want to trade. They don't want to ever really even, their things are so understated. They don't want to fight your guys mm -hmm. they don't want to fight your guys they don't want to uh, interact with your stuff except to say no they don't I mean, that's hurt true your like stuff. The, the elusive strategy is the same thing right like i want to yeah the elusive wants to basically never be touched right so you, you're just you're looking at this faction that be, you know elusive, when it was strong stun, it was because deny, recall elusive stun deny recall all major themes all of them are not interactive themes yeah, and that that's just that's just the whole point of the faction. 
and that needs to be reevaluated. We need to find a way to say, you know, we want to put Ionia in a position where they, if a deck of theirs is strong, we won't have to nerf it into the ground. Mm-hmm. We we can tune it, but but when lack of you know decks that thrive off of no interaction are either busted or not playable. Yeah, like, and that's, that's just true. the reality of it. I mean, there's no better example than that than Lee Sin at one point. And, and, and yeah. like the opposite of that, right, is Demacia. Demacia is a super interactive board deck, board centric, you know, strategies. Um, Lucian is that way. Fior is that way. Siobhan is that way. Garen's that way. Quinn's that way. Jarvin's that way. You know, maybe with the exception of Lux, uh, every, everything in that yeah. faction is like this super board centric, kind of the opposite. And I would say that Demacia has been a relative. I mean, there's been times when Demacia has been broken but not not always frail i i i don't i don't but, want to go but, through but each of them but there's has truth been there. a has has been a mainstay faction like they've always had a deck in like that tier two or higher yeah area that's been considered like, for sure it's all you've always been able to ladder with the demacia list at all points during this game's existence except maybe immediately post war chef's nerf yeah, and like sort of uh, post uh, that that nerf, and then the one radiant guardian nerf hurt them for a season as well. Um, it did, um, but I mean, once people started blending unplayable. scouts, oh, and kind of taking it out of bannermen, like instead of going more towards like a fifty-fifty, like scouts list, it kind of came back for a bit, and then plus when uh, oh my gosh, when the landmark came out, <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, yeah, that was you know. But I mean, it's all about fighting the opponent's stuff and in, in forcing the opponent to engage, mm-hmm. right? And so it's always been a faction that, while maybe never, while rarely busted, um, has also always been present. It, it, there's just a difference in there. And I think their philosophy, if anything, like I've been impressed with the philosophy that Sharima has had about wanting to engage in combat and build a board and say and challenge your opponent to say wow i I have to care about their stuff at least that's the vibe i've gotten from it so far and in many ways targon targon has felt like ionia done right (laughs) okay yeah there's there's definitely some truth to that yeah yeah i I I can agree with that you know because like you you do have you know ionian or uh, targon champions that you know and and cards that say no and stuff but it's more me centric like giving spell shield you know there's even a lot of there's even a lot of synergy there right like Tarek, yeah. Tarek and Shen have a lot of similarities. They're both four mana. They both want to deny stuff, but you know, there there's some similarities there. Um, I'm I'm trying to think through the other ones, but like uh, there's some similarities between um what Aurelian Soul and Karma want to do as well, which is kind of like yeah. win the game at the end. There's some similarities between um what Lee Sin and Aphilios want to do as well. Um, where they want to yeah. sit back and control, and you're right, like there's uh, there's some truth to the and, and there's even some say no with uh, things. Uh, yeah, there's even some say no in there like Bastion. with Bastion. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. In some ways, Targon feels like I own you done right. I think that that is uh, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, but we're <laughs> yeah. going to be playing a lot with Sharima over the next couple of days and over the next couple of weeks and excited to come back next week and talk about some of the decks that we're playing for sure, because I'm going to be doing a lot of experimenting over the next week. Not going to be doing a lot of streaming of Expedition. Definitely going to be doing a lot more streaming of Laddering because really excited about experimenting with some of these decks and and trying out some of this stuff. Um, pretty pumped about that. What do you say we get out of here, though, man, and and, uh, and move on over to Closing Thoughts? 
and I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, closing thoughts is the one thing that, I don't know, it's non-LOR-centric that we try to do at the end of each show, uh, share a little bit of uh, our, our just wisdom or thoughts at the end to, uh, you know, help uh, help us all live right, help us all live a little bit better, a little bit more productive. Um, and uh, I've, I don't know, I, I guess I've, I was sort of stumbling around today on what exactly I wanted my closing thought to be. Um, but I think what I, I think my, my thought is like that, that I've been having is like, sometimes, you know, you, you just gotta let stuff go. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta just be a little less intense. Like sometimes you just gotta be a little less serious. Uh, and I struggle with this. Like I, I struggle with taking myself too seriously and like being too driven and being too intense. Like there's value in having patience even when uh even when you don't want to have it or even when you you feel like uh like it threatens your productivity or your sense of self-worth or or whatever it may be for me it's usually like my sense of self-worth gets threatened by not being productive enough but there's something to be like this last weekend we just took time off i didn't look at my phone i just played board games i ate a lot of cheese i ate a lot of sugar i had a few glasses of whiskey and just hung out with my family. Um, and it was just like, it was really nice. Um, I, I don't know. I just thought it was, it, sometimes you just got to take yourself a little less seriously and, uh, and, and just like take it easy, you know, a, a little bit and, uh, and, and have some patience, like realize that everything doesn't have to happen that day. So I don't know, maybe you're just in a season of life where you're just like hyper tense and, and stressed out and anxious about life. And, and there's been plenty of things in life to be anxious and stressed out about in this season. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think things get too serious too easily sometimes. And, and we would just, we'd be happier if we, just took a deep breath occasionally so yeah that's my closing thought it's not a, it's not my best one it's not it's not a great one but i i don't think anyone's ranking you know uh, and saying, I, oh boy i rank my closing thoughts sometimes but yeah well i'm just oh. saying i you know i i think it's you know when you these closing thoughts they're not all going to be equally valuable to every person but hopefully there's going to be someone out there that needs to hear that specifically that one specifically you know that like they're they're not all made equal because they're not all for the same people you're you're right you're right and there's a closing thought oh wait you actually gave like a good closing thought the last time we did closing thoughts and i completely forgot about that didn't i Ah, uh, well uh, that's not my job i'm not the closing oh, man i gotta guy. go that's back you. and re-listen <laughs> to the end of last episode in order to find it uh so i yeah. can remember what it was uh but that's gonna do it for this episode dbn how could people find you and get connected with you if they'd like to well every once in a while i do say something profound very rarely though um but in case you want to catch me on those rare days you can find me uh mostly in our discord you can feel free to ping me if you have something you want me to see like a deck or something like that uh you can also message me directly uh if you would like there's uh my youtube channel which i i would love to say i'm gonna get some decks up on there and some videos up on there but i just can't promise that um, i'll make that yeah, but who knows know. and if that is the case y'all know i'm gonna tell you on here so you know no need to rush over there unless you want to see a couple good but outdated lists um yeah, the best way, guys, is honestly to to um to catch us uh to catch us in the Discord. Oh, I did forget a really important announcement. 
Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah, we did. We, the, oh my gosh. Yeah, we forgot a big announcement. It's coming right here at the end of the show. Uh, but if you've listened thus far, we don't want you to be too too terribly confused uh, about us never bringing it up. Um, the Legends Cast Discord League Season Three. Uh, we have decided to delay it. Uh, it was originally supposed to start today the, on the 3rd, um, and unfortunately, the cross-shard play is currently down until the 15th, supposedly. So, um, unfortunately, as much as we wanted to start it on day one of the new expansion, it's just not fair to our uh, EU players uh, and other players that are... There, I know there's a couple players from not EU or NA, and I don't know where that would be. Um, but wherever it is, like I think Australia probably actually. Mm, yeah, um, that sounds accurate. But yeah, uh, but either way, we don't want them to be excluded. We don't want them to feel uh, unloved. So we are going to delay it to the start on the 14th. So the first round will begin on the 14th and we'll then you know, go from there as normal. We'll announce it again next week. We just really want to make sure everybody can play on equal footing um, and also make it easy on our admins. We don't want to have them go through and ask everybody individually what uh, shard they're on and try to pair with them based on that. That's no fun for them. Uh, So we're just going to delay it. Sorry we forgot at the beginning of the episode, but now you know. Yeah, so now it's delayed. We're going to be picking it up in a, a, like just by a week. It's just giving you a little bit of extra time to be able to figure out what you're going to be playing. Um, the way you can get connected with me is visit me at Twitch at twitch.tv slash the lift. Um, I'm also in the Discord literally every day all the time. And my family, well, my, my wife and I are starting an online church called Lux Digital Church. If you're interested in checking that out, you can also check us out on YouTube, on Instagram, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Lux Digital Church church we're at lux digital church in those other locations as well if you want to be involved feel free to reach out to me beyond that my heart is to be here to support the community and that's one of my major roles here at legends cast so if you need someone to talk to um or uh, or you need to vent or you just need to set up a meeting and have someone listen to you um whatever it may be feel free to reach out to me over discord over at our legends cast discord and there's a link to join that in the show notes of this as well um okay that's gonna do it for this episode of legends cast thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening and be sure to come back again next week thanks for listening to legends cast this episode was brought to you by listeners like you don't forget to join our discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts a special thanks goes out to all of our patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legends cast